Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth about commitment and marriage. Jesus says, unless it's adultery, you've got to stick it out. Oh, Lord, that's crazy. Doesn't that sound like today? Now, some of you are thinking out there, Xavier, you're nuts. You're saying, you don't know, you don't live in my home. That's right. You live in it, but you chose it. You chose the marriage. And there's no returns when you marry. No money back. And if you do, you lose all. Absolutely. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's funny how we spend more time planning our vacations than we do in planning our marriage. A vacation lasts only a week or two, but a marriage is meant for a lifetime. Well, at least that's what God had in mind. Today, let's join Pastor Xavier as he continues this powerful message titled, Marriage and Divorce. Here in Matthew 19, we want to look at marriage and divorce so that we would be clear about what Scripture teaches. I want you to understand the seriousness of marriage. And then for those of you who are married, I want you to also understand the seriousness of marriage and that God will hold you accountable for what you do with it. The setting is found in verses 1 and 2. Jesus has just finished the teaching of forgiveness which reveals man's sinful and wicked heart in chapter 18, verses 21 and 35. I don't believe this is coincidental. And I think that Matthew has compiled his material very meaningfully by the work of the Spirit of God. Forgiveness is the root to all relationship. And when forgiveness goes out the door, then relationships are broken down. It is from this parable that he moves on that the Pharisees came upon Jesus Christ in verse 3. In verse 3, we find the subject of the discussion is the subject of divorce. Notice that the Pharisees came testing Jesus to trap him. It isn't the first time. It isn't the last. These men were persistent, always trying to find fault with Jesus, trying to trap him. The question of divorce was if it was lawful for any reason. There were certain schools of thought in that day. The one was Shammai, rabbi, and Shammai said that the only reason that a man could divorce his wife was because of adultery. Hillel, the other rabbi, taught that a man could divorce his wife for any reason, for every reason. You know, she burns your bagels, you could divorce her. If she talked to you kind of snotty, you could divorce her. Uh, one rabbi, uh, Rabbi Akiba, went as far as to say if you walked down the street and saw a more beautiful woman, then your wife became unclean in your own sight and you could divorce her. And we see in all this just the propensity of man towards his own selfishness, to his own feelings and happiness for the time. Our society is, is flooded with this. Let's do it now. Forget it later. Notice first Jesus points back to God's creation and design where he created male and female distinct and different. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they two shall become one flesh. One household and unit to perpetuate society in the unity of the two sexually bringing forth children. The blend of the two. Notice in verse 6 Jesus declares that male and female can never be two after marriage. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. In verses 7 through 8, we get the selfish demand on divorce. 
They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Notice first that Jesus is confronted with the concession which Moses made in the law. This concession you find in Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. Don't turn to it. I just want to just tell you what it's about, point out some things. Uh, we don't have the time this morning. We have it in other studies. But summarizing the law in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, it was a provision within the law for decent and orderly divorces that society would not be fractured and that there would not be an abuse of the innocent party. Now, first, it says, if any man finds some uncleanness in his wife. The problem is to define and to describe and to determine what does the word uncleanness mean in that passage. As you know, the two schools of thought, one thought only adultery, the other one said every cause, whatever seems unclean before the man's eyes. Now, the provision in Deuteronomy 24 was to protect, first of all, a woman from being abused and living in an unfavorable condition. It was primarily to protect the woman because remember the Jewish woman could not divorce the man. Only the man had the right. Those who try to say that that passage teaches sexual unfaithfulness in marriage, they have not studied the scriptures very well. For Leviticus 20.10 and Deuteronomy 22.22 says that if a wife or a husband committed adultery, they would be stoned. There would be no need for divorce. The only divorce that God says is permanent is death. So to make the word unclean as mean adultery there is not very good exegesis. It's more like eisegesis. You're giving your own interpretation. So primarily it was to protect the woman from an abusive home and that she would not have to live under that. But it also provided the woman with a document, a legal document, so that when she went out, she would not be accused of adultery. He had given her a right in a divorce, a legal document, and released her from the marriage. Thirdly, the provision was a warning to the husband to consider well what he was letting go because by the study of the passage and the comparison through whole of Scripture, the reason he was allowing her to be released was not adultery. Therefore, the dismissing of the woman was not scripturally in terms of God's ideal. But it was only a concession to maintain some social order and control. Therefore, he says, husbands, think well. Look well at that girl that you're letting go because you're never, ever going to get her back. And the passage says, if that woman is given the document of divorce and she leaves and marries another, even if the second husband dies, she cannot come back to the first because she has been defiled. How was she defiled? The husband divorced her for an unscriptural reason, meaning she was never sexually defiled, but in releasing her, he caused her to become sexually defiled by another man coming into her sexually, and therefore he was responsible for her own defilement. Study it well. 
So it was not a provision for divorce. It was a concession to maintain social order and to relieve the woman from an oppressive and abusive home. Now, Jesus reveals the reason for the concession in verse 8. The hardness of man's heart. Remember in my opening statement, the unforgiving steward in the parable that precedes this chapter. The hardness of heart comes from an unforgiving heart. If we did not have any problem with not forgiving, we would have no problems in life. Think well what I'm saying. If we did not have any problem with not forgiving, we would have no problems in life. Our problems in life come from an unforgiving spirit. And think about it. The only reason we have fellowship with God is because of being forgiven. Every relationship is based upon forgiveness. And when you and I do not forgive, relationships are fractured. Temporarily or permanently. And so I think it's no coincidence that this parable precedes this section. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The man of heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Jesus has already spoken about the heart of man in Matthew 15.18-19. From the heart proceeds evil thoughts, fornications, adulteries. It's self-centeredness. It's me, 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 and nobody else but me. And this is the banner that's being raised over our American society, our homes, and everything else. And so the concession was to regulate some control for the soundness of society in Israel. Having to go through a legal proceeding, it would cause the man to think. So often if there is no real consequence, we just do things rashly. But when we know there's a consequence, we think twice, don't we? I know that a lot of the things that kept me out of real crazy trouble was the concept of my parents. I loved them and I didn't want to hurt them even though I was a creep and a rat out there. I was just very fortunate, and I tried to use my head, but I love my parents. I didn't want to hurt them. And that kept me from a lot of things. But also, divorce would not become the normal and lose the seriousness and the shame of it. There should be a certain amount of shame in divorce. Get away from these shrink and psychologists that all they do is they take your high morals and they lower them so they can make you feel better. There should be shame in divorce. Now remember, I'm saying some things. If you're divorced, you remember, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. But I think if people reflect upon the consequences, then, then they won't lose the seriousness of divorce and they will also realize the shame of it. The single reason for divorce and remarriage is given in verse 9. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is uh, divorced commits adultery. Jesus declares that there is only one reason allowed for divorce, sexual unfaithfulness. Now, the word here, immorality, in the Old King James says fornication. Many have attempted to say that the word here, fornication, speaks about sex before marriage. 
If you are one of those, you better think it well. Number one, it violates the context. The context is marriage and divorce and remarriage. The word fornication has a broad meaning through the scriptures and is used for adultery many times. The context determines what type of sexual activity he's talking about. Okay? And so you need to understand that. Jesus declares here, the innocent party can remarry, but not the guilty party. Understand it well. Listen to me. Follow me. Verse 9. And I'm going to leave one word out. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, leave the sexual out. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. That's the bottom line. You divorce your wife, you divorce your husband, for any other reason apart from adultery, you cannot remarry. You will commit adultery. You say, Xavier, you know what you're saying? Yep. That's what the scriptures declare. Now, if you repent, will God forgive you? Absolutely. Then there is a provision beyond that, is there? That means that even if you divorce without a cause, and then you come to Christ, and you repent, then God will forgive you, and you can remarry. But I caution you, there are too many Christians that use that to get out of their marriage, and then they say, I repent. Now, you may fool me. You may fool people around you. But you will never fool God. And you will be living in adultery. That's heavy. Only you and God will know. Maybe I won't. Let me read you a scripture out of Malachi. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. That is the only reason he allows for divorce. There is another exception in 1 Corinthians 7. I'll just put it as a footnote. For a woman who is married to a non-believer, and that's if he abandons her or she abandons him. That's the only other reason, apart from sexual uh, immorality, adultery. Jesus already talked about it in Matthew 5, 31 and 32, the same thing. Except for adultery is the only reason. Right here he gives a more expanded version. Now, comes a scary consideration, verse 10. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. That's right, think it well. The disciples of Jesus were in agreement with Hillel. First of all, I want you to notice. They were shocked. They were shocked that Jesus says, unless it's adultery, you've got to stick it out. Oh, Lord, that's crazy. Doesn't that sound like today? Now, some of you are thinking out there, Xavier, you're nuts. You're saying, you don't know, you don't live in my home. That's right. You live in it, but you chose it. I didn't choose your home. You chose the marriage. I chose my marriage. And there's no returns when you marry. No money back. And if you do, you lose all. Absolutely. The disciples were in agreement with Hillel, the liberal. Is that amazing to you? They wanted it a little wider. Come on, come on. Can't you stretch it a little more? Isn't that what church is doing today? I cannot make any wider concession than that of Jesus Christ. The disciples considered, if that be the only reason, adultery, 
Maybe it's better not to marry. That's a decision of rashness. It's good for the time, but not for the duration. Because God has made us sexual beings. Time will discourage you. <laughs> Guarantee you. I am married, happily married, and will be nothing but married. I do not have the gift of celibacy. And if you don't, that's what he's talking about here, then you're asking for trouble. Jesus goes on to expound this in verses 12. Here's the same perspective. For there are eunuchs, or he said, all, all cannot accept the same, but only those to whom it has been given. And then he speaks about the different types of eunuchs. You see, not everybody can accept this or receive this. In 1 Corinthians, I'm not, I don't have the time this morning, read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Right there, Paul speaks about the different sexual relationships, husband with wife, don't play games with each other, don't hold back from each other, don't, 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 don't say, hey, you know, I'm not going to have sex with you because you didn't wash my car, or this and that, or stuff like that. Or, you know, the wife says, hey, listen, I, I need a new dress. I'm not getting a new dress. Hey, listen. And you go, oh, okay, I'll get you the dress. <laughs> Be careful. Don't play games, okay? Don't play games. And so, not everybody can accept this. They're also in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, now listen, it's, it's better to be single. So people say, well, it's better to be single. I just receive letters all the time from single people. I just received one this last week. And I'm talking fast because I run out of time. So hang on. Um, but somebody tells you that you're a single, you're second class, they're liars, and you are dumb for believing it. Pardon my English, but you're dumb for believing it. If you study the scriptures, you know the singleness is not worse than being married. But you also know the singleness is not better than being married. It's just better if you have the gift. That's what 1 Corinthians 7 says. If you don't have the desire for sex, then you've got the gift. Go for it. But if you have sexual desire, you're going to be married. Stay chaste, stay faithful, and wait for the Lord to bring you that person. Consider well. If the only reason for you to get out of your marriage is adultery, then you better think well who you choose. Because if you marry some jerk, you've got to live with them. You've got to be careful. Who do you marry? Don't just get married because this girl has looks and a, and a body and everything else. Because one day you'll roll over and that's all you've got and you'll throw up. <laughs> and you'll die. You better get married for more than just a body and a face because you know what? Sex is not all of marriage. Please understand that. And so you better consider you might marry an egg. You better know who you're marrying because there are no returns. And God will use your differences to mold and shape you into Christ, not to each other. But you better hang out and you better know that person before you say, I do. Because once you say, I do, you're done and you, that's it. Now, man will let you divorce, but not Jesus. You can do your own thing, but God will hold you responsible. And you can't cover it and camouflage it coming to church and saying, praise God, hallelujah, Jesus is coming. You just can't do it. Three types of eunuchs. Eunuchs that are born from their mother's womb because of some physical impairment, they are unable to have sex. The second are those eunuchs made by men. This is a tragic case, but cruel, but it happens. In those days they had harems and they would have a man to watch over the king's harems and uh, to ensure that uh, the overseer would not mess around with the women, they would castrate him. Um, now, Origen, uh, the church father, by this scripture, uh, he took it literally and he castrated himself. 
Now, I hope none of you men um, take this out of context, or you'll regret it. But um, these are the first two types of eunuchs. The, la the, last, the third and the last is the eunuch who knows who has a gift and doesn't have to marry because God has called him to be single. And there are others also who, by God's grace, commit themselves to a single life and may have the potential for marriage, but because they see their calling so dangerous, maybe because of the place God calls them, they do not want to put a wife through those dangers, and they commit themselves to a single life. I think that's very possible, even though you had the potential for marriage and not the gift, by God's grace. But Paul says, if you're burning, then you better just wait to get married. But if you get married because you're burning... Be careful, because then your marriage will burn. Your sexual drive does not go away because you get married and can have sex. As a matter of fact, sin will come by and make it even worse because now you're bound to one woman. Be careful. Be real careful. Satan's a good liar. Boy, I'll tell you, what a mouthful Jesus said here, huh? And that God would really instill in each of us that fear. People contemplate adultery every day today. You know why? You see it in the movies, you hear it in the songs, and everything else. Be careful. Now, anybody can fall, and it'd be a rash thing. Remember, we want to be gracious. The divorce clause here is an, a concession, not a command. God would have you to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And I know marriages who have had adultery and God has blessed it because they have been open, they've denied themselves, and the marriage is the better. I believe that if adultery has come in and you are gracious enough, your marriage will be better. It will cost you, but it will be better. But if you opt out of it, though you have the option, and I don't condemn you for it, I don't believe you will settle for first best. I believe you'll settle for second best. But you have the option. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have the option. I cannot deny you. But I believe that you lose out because you don't settle for first best and all that God can do through you. You missed out on a great opportunity to see God's power apart from your weakness, apart from your evil heart. And that's what it's all about, people. Look at your marriage way beyond your own happiness. Everybody goes through things. You get married at first, oh, you're like a puppy with your tail wagging and everything else. But then reality sets in. You have to work, you have to do this, you have to do that. You start finding your conflict, your differences of personality, but you start molding and shaping. Everybody goes through things, some more severe than others. But you know what? You're adults. Don't be like two little snotty kids pointing fingers and playing games with each other. You'd be surprised at the number of people I talked about. They're 30, 40, 50 years old, but they're little kids. They don't know anything about being an adult. Why'd you get married for? Well, he asked me. Well, that's not good enough. Better think who you marry, girls. You better marry a godly man. Young men, marry a godly woman. Godly woman doesn't mean that she may be a virgin. A godly woman means she's born again, loves the Lord more, and she loves you. Now, there's a good choice. You understand what I'm talking about? And if you got your checklist out, let me take you down my checklist for your life. We'd all be buried. Every one of us. So may God give us wisdom for our marriages 
because our marriages will determine what type of church we have. Absolutely. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about God's plan for marriage. Now you can request a copy of today's challenging study called Marriage and Divorce. It's available on CD for just $4. And this will contain much more material than we were able to share with you during today's broadcast. The title to ask for once again is Marriage and Divorce. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, are you feeling unloved? Join Pastor Xavier Reese and find out how much Jesus loves you. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com